For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Good afternoon, and welcome to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I'm your host, Gary Morgan. With you, with me, as always, and you, I guess, is my good friend, Jim Stam. How you doing, brother? I am awesome, Gary. I hope you are. I hope our guest is. I'm stuttering over my words, so I'm not starting out ah. great. It's a good thing we got extra help <laughs> in to talk today because that's clearly not flowing out of my mouth well. So from the 412 Double Play podcast, we have brought on our good friend, Michael Castriano. He has been uh, writing game recaps for my website, Inside the Bucks Basement, with us and doing a great job over there. Um, he's about as low maintenance as a writer has ever been on that site. I don't even have to interact with him anymore. <laughs> wait, wait, <laughs> writer, writer and low maintenance typically don't go in the same sentence for those of you that don't know anything about that whole thing. But yeah, you would think he's been a godsend for me though. And his show is a breath of fresh air in this town. I think everybody needs to keep paying attention to all of the newer podcasts that are coming out especially the ones that are keeping their head about them. And Michael does that. So Michael say hello, brother. Hey, yeah. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Love writing for the site. Going to try to get some more articles up uh, in the coming weeks to try to profile some other players who maybe are going a little under the radar as far as performance wise. Yeah. But yeah, looking forward to it. Yes, but we're, we're, we're busy. We're all, we've all been doing too much stuff. So <laughs> we figured it's a good time. Hey, the quarter of the season is gone, Jim. It's the quarter pull. I can't even believe it, honestly. I wanted to start today just in general talking about this league. Mm-hmm. What's happened? We've seen a quarter of a season now with all these rule changes. What do we think of that? What do we think of the teams that are in first place, the teams that are in last place? What has shocked us? What has caught us off guard? What is just blowing our minds right now? <laughs> and I'll start with you, Tim. It's, it's been busy so far. I mean, even if you just take the Pirates, we've got enough to fill up. All, forget us, little segment to start off the show. We could just talk about their season. But baseball in general, I mean, there's been some things that, like, have been surprising. There's been some things that aren't so shocking. I think um, the NL Central is probably – it is what we thought it was, right? Um, it's starting team, to look that way, yeah, uh, to a degree. Yeah, teams are starting to uh, bunch up a little bit. And um, I think when I looked at that, the biggest thing I looked at was with the National League is, and you can put the Marlins in there because they're technically, they do have a winning record. But you're talking sure. like, but they're, they've been outscored. It's insane. They've been outscored by like 40 runs on the season, yet they're a game over 500. If you include them, you're talking six teams in the National League that have winning records, including the Marlins. And then you go and you look at like the AL. There's five teams in the AL East with a winning record. I mean, that's, you know, the one one division is matching a whole league on the other side of things. So, I mean, I think you're seeing like, and that has, that has affected the Pirates because we unfortunately had to go and play that division a lot really early on in the season. So I, I want people to remember that part of it too. So that's I, something that I just think jumps that's, out. That's me. a really cool point actually. And maybe we should be proud that somehow the pirates have wound up still being one of those six teams, right? Even after going through that little bit of a gauntlet. So Michael, how about you? What's, what's caught you off guard with the league so far? I think that we all kind of expected the AL East to be a powerhouse. And so uh, it's not surprising that we struggled as much with the Rays and the Jays as we did. 
Uh, I'm still surprised, and we're starting to see a bit of a turnaround, but the Cardinals still being last place in the division. I think they've won like seven of their last 10 games, something like that. The bats are starting to come around. But the fact that there's been any portion of the season where they have a record worse than the Reds is surprising to anybody. And we all knew that their rotation had a lot of question marks around it. But we all, I think, also figured that the bats would play well enough to pick it up. And, and it's starting to turn around. Up, but I saw they just caught up Laboratories. So, I mean, they should have a little bit of a shot to get a yeah, little going, infusion of youth. I think they're going with a six-man rotation for now with that. Kind of give we'll some see. of the older guys the time off. We'll see what they do there. The Pirates might not be foolish to try to think of some ways to get Rich Hill some rest, too. Um, especially when you have all these off days. You know, if you can squeak an extra time off through the rotation for a 42 year old. I think you do that. Um, for me, what what's surprised yeah, what me you, most. Gary? What's that? I said, what about you? What jumped out at you? Oh, well, I was just going to say it. <laughs> I, th- I think, um, first of all, the reds aren't as bad as I think many of us assumed. And I think they have reinforcements on the way, um, a lot quicker than many people assumed. Um, I think the Reds could really threaten to not finish in the basement this year. I think the Cubs might be in trouble, though. The Cubs are returning to the mean, and their pitching is getting exposed and injured, and they don't have any kind of backup plan for it. Um, I think the Cubs might be the worst team in this division, but by the time all things are said and done. Um, what surprised me most, though, I think, is probably the AL West. I don't know what the Padres do wrong when they build teams. They get a lot of great players on paper. They look unbelievable. When you actually put it into practice, they just, for some reason, do not play like a baseball team. There's just something off about them that somehow they're in fourth in this division with the Giants and the Diamondbacks ahead of them. And even the Dodgers, who've been hurt and didn't spend as much as they normally do this offseason. The Padres are 2-8 and in their last 10. I mean, worse than the Pirates right now. And that's with Tatis back. Yeah, you would think it would be the opposite, that that would have been the big shot in the arm for them. Um, Diamondbacks are, are, you know, everyone's kind of talked about them. They had a lot of talent coming up. Um, So far, so good. I mean, they're sitting at, I want to say, they might even be like, yeah, there's six games over 500. I mean, yep. so, and hey, perfect timing, right? For the Pirates, right? We've got to play them now. So um, they're they're a scary, good young team. Our buddy Dave White here says the Mets. And I mean, I guess, man, I, I, man, I hope I willed this into existence because I wanted them to fail so badly that I hope that's why, but I mean, they, they have kind of corrected course a little bit too. They're coming back towards 500. I think they're only a game under now. Um, yeah. The veteran pitching is going to be a story all year. I mean, if Scherzer and Verlander get right, this team can go places. If, if Scherzer and Verlander can't pitch, <laughs> they're not any better than they were last year, <laughs> you know, no matter what, no matter how much their payroll is. What do you guys think of the Mets and and really the NL East? Because I think it's aside from the Marlins, who I think are kind of a little bit of an aberration right now. I'm not a hundred percent sure that it's really going all that differently than I thought it might. No, they're 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 obviously they've 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 played really well in some close in their all their close games. Um, so that's been the difference for them. Um, the Braves to me just look like they're just like the class of the NL still. Um, they may, and the Phillies might get it together a little bit, but I think that they, they still are the team to me that I look at and think they're just going to be a handful all year long. Dodgers, obviously they still got talent, but uh, no, I'm enjoying what's happening to, to the Mets. Like that to me is just fun. <laughs> Not, I don't root for injuries and they've had them, but you know, overall big picture, I've enjoyed it. Michael, what about you? I'm okay with the Mets not doing so well. I feel like the whole idea of buying a team and, and buying uh, championships 
lots of teams have tried it over the years and lots of teams have failed at it. And it looks like the Mets are becoming a, another casualty. Verlander and Scherzer especially struggling with having to work quicker and not be comfortable being older and, and with the new pitching rules. Uh, going to the Marlins, they are playing over their head, but the fact that they're being so competitive in those close games, uh, adding uh, Luis Arias this offseason, he's got an on-base percentage of 433, which is just an insane thing to have at the top of your lineup. Uh, his OPS is over 900, and that seems a little bit unsustainable. I think he's hitting 378, but he's just a really good contact hitter that they're able to have at the top there and is able this to... This is what he does, though. He is he's as close to Tony Gwynn as you're going to get. Yep. I mean, he's not going to hit for power. He's not going to you know, put up too many out of the park, but he already hit for a cycle once this season, so... He's that's that's the kind of player he just goes up and grinds out at bats and gets on base. I mean, that's the the kind of guy that you want there, and that's going to lead to them being pretty successful outside of the Nationals. That's a really solid division. And I mean, I'd say my last surprise because we do got to take a quick break here is probably the Dodgers after their start are now well, they have the third best record in, or the second best record in baseball right now behind the Rays. So yeah. somehow they've shot all the way to the top of the division. They have the best the best record in the National League. And when they were in Pittsburgh, they were crippled. You know, so I, I'm not sure anybody really expected them to be where they are now. Well, I'll just jump um, back to the Pirates before we get out of here for a break and just say um, – Really interesting to see their schedule, how it's lining up here. We're going to get to see some teams we don't typically get to see a lot of. Um, you know, we got the Diamondbacks, the Rangers, and then the Mariners after that. So yeah. we're going to see a lot of interesting uh, teams we don't get to see and a lot of good young players us Pirate fans don't get to see. And and, and some, challenging, some challenging games, too. So, um, yeah. It's been it's been a wild ride. I'm sure it's not going to change. All right, let's take a quick break. We come back. Let's get a little more pirates focused and have some fun. DK Pittsburgh Sports, we take pride in coverage that connects our city's fans to their favorite teams. Now, that connection's stronger than ever. Introducing our all-new state-of-the-art app. Find expert inside reporting and original podcasts. Check live box scores. Track the latest stats. Chat it up with our community of thousands of fans, all in one place. The new app from DK Pittsburgh Sports. Coverage that connects. Welcome back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. Gary, Michael, and Jim with you. And it's time to talk a little Buckos baseball. Um, And I think you can't talk Buckos baseball without talking prospects. I mean, it's been years and years and years of us piling through arcane stats that are poorly kept, (laughs) trying to pretend that we could forecast out what was going to happen with guys who just learned how to shave last week. (laughs) And I'm watching the prospects and I'm thinking to myself, boy, it's really strange watching everybody call for these guys, like, and and just proclaim they're ready. Like just off the, off the top of their head, like they're absolutely ready. You got to be, you're nuts. Andy Rodriguez comes to mind. Everybody's been, you know, shining for him all year long. And, you know, he's been underperforming a little bit, nothing alarming, just adjusting to a new league. It's still not even the quarter pole for them. And like he's doing, you know, a good job learning his trade back there behind the plate and everything. And I see, you know, Alex Stump interview him and put out an article. And he's literally like, this is exactly where I need to be. And, I'm learning right now and I need to be here. I have things to work on. I mean, 
is is that going to be enough to make people kind of realize like even the players themselves value actually being developed a little bit before they just get thrown to the wolves and and further than that jim and michael both what i want to do in this segment is i want us to kind of lay out how we personally evaluate prospects how do you decide that a a prospect is ready at least to the degree you can and michael i'll start with you if you're comfortable if not i'll go but well i think that a big part of it especially if we're going to look at the catchers looking at um andy and henry davis who obviously other people are saying because he's you know slugging what 650 down in double A that he should be coming up, especially with team kind of having a preference of pulling pitcher or pulling players straight from double A. But the catcher is such an important position. If you're saying this guy's going to come up and just DH, that's one thing and he has less value. But with the rule changes, you look at the pitchers going in there and uh, they're not shaking off pitches anymore. Hedges is behind the dish and he's typing into pitch com and then Hill or Keller or Oviedo, whoever is just going to go and throw that pitch. They don't have time to kind of get in sync. You need to have a lot of trust in the, the guy behind the plate to call what needs to be called. And, you know, credit where credit is due. Hedges has been doing a lot of great stuff with that. And the pitchers, I believe, have really been appreciating it. I think so he, too. And th- that's something that they just don't have yet, Davis and Andy. I think to a degree, that's absolutely true. And and all I can say is that, you know, you kind of have to guess that the coaches are being honest about it. Very rare that you get a situation like this where, you know, a reporter interviews one of these prospects and they're like real upfront that they're not ready. You don't hear that. Nobody ever does that. So Jim, I, I mean, that's a rare situation, but I think, just looking at his numbers and reading the reports about what was going on with him. Sounds like, first of all, he's got a real honest hold on where he is. Second, sounds like the coaches and the, and the scouts were being pretty honest about what's going on. And third, I think just with your eyeballs, you can tell he just ain't right yet. <laughs> you know, not, not even just behind the plate, even at the plate. Yeah. Um, I'm going to say something and I don't, I don't really care who it offends because I, I, I really truly believe this and people can, people can think whatever they want. If you are diminishing what a catcher brings to a major league game and the amount of stuff that they have to know and learn in today's game, and you're diminishing that, if not ignoring it, then you don't know as much about baseball as you think you do. And that to me is the biggest thing. You can keep saying whatever you want and keep repeating it and keep repeating it. It doesn't make it true. Okay. And so now when we're to the point where the guy himself will tell you, I'm still working on my craft. And essentially saying, when I get there, I want to be ready. I want to be fully ready. And I have pitchers that depend on me. And I have uh, a whole staff that's going to depend on me. And I have to control running game. And I have to know how to pitch sequence. And I have to know how to manage each guy individually and their psyche on the mound. All these things. If you are going to casually disregard that, then you don't know as much baseball as you think you do. And I think that's a different conversation than like, can we kind of forgo that and get the bat up here? Now, when I look at what he's doing in the minors, I, I mean, I want to make sure people understand like where I come from when I evaluate a prospect. All right. I, I don't care about how anybody's ranked them. I don't care about (laughs) what position they are on some board. I care about a couple things. One, the likelihood that the team is going to utilize the asset. 
you have to make sure that you understand the 40 man and how it works. If you don't understand roster movement, you will not understand why they don't call certain guys up. All right. In other words, if a guy is not on the 40 man, he has to be damn near Jesus to get himself not only put on the 40 man, but brought up to the majors. Unless he's a guy that you're perfectly willing to dump in the garbage disposal next week, like Josh Palacios, if he doesn't work out. That's the only time you do something like that. Miguel Andujar, if he doesn't work out, they will not lose a wink of sleep. You, you can't do that with a prospect, like somebody you care about. That's the difference right there. So everything Henry Davis is doing right now is amazing. I truly think they're doing him a disservice by not getting him to AAA. I think he needs to be up there. Regardless of Endy, just because he needs to face better pitching. But I understand why he's not, too. Because <laughs> they really want Endy to catch. This stuff is so multifaceted. Every single instance has to be an individual conversation with yourself. It's not just hitting some number. It's not just getting hot for two weeks. It's not just he hit a home run off a curveball once. It's understanding this guy struggles with this. This is how we have to approach moving him forward. That problem's got to be addressed. If it's not, it's it's just lights out. Nothing else matters. Nick Gonzalez, it's the K rate. It's too freaking high. And we've been saying it forever. The last week, it's been great. Is the last week enough? No. <laughs> how else can I explain this, Jim? Am I doing a terrible job? No. It's just it's just people want to believe what they want to believe. And the pirates have distorted this on their own in a lot of ways. Um and confuse this this situation. Do they do things that hold guys up or drag their feet a little bit? I'm sure they have, and I'm sure every team has. Most do, because because teams are going to look for any type of advantage they have as far as it comes to player control, player movement, and that's the way the rules are set up, and they're allowed to do it because they can just disguise it as something else. That being said, Every situation is different. Every guy is different. We have to look at the situation. The other thing about this is, guys, it's a little weird to have two of these guys at the same position right now kind of sitting at the top, and their paths are real similar right now. So that's not something that you're going to see a ton, especially at the catcher position. It just happened to work out that way. And to not acknowledge that that is kind of an odd convergence of things is ignoring a big part of the story. Michael, what say you? I think that there's a reason why they're both two of our top prospects and they're the two of them are in the top 10 catching prospects in all of baseball. They're both very talented hitters. There's some questions about the receiving skills, framing, blocking that is going to need to be ironed out. I am probably in the minority and I'm okay with Davis staying in Altoona for right now. As of right now, he's had 58 total games in Altoona because of injuries. This has been his first month plus that hasn't been interrupted in his professional career with an injury, with having to take time down to recover because of his you know fractured wrist last season. This is the consistent playing time that he kind of needs to prove that why he was a one, one back in 2021. And right. I think that he's going to have that opportunity to show it and not have to split playing time. DH potentially going to right field. Um, he can just focus on being the catcher and I'm hoping that they just keep giving him as many reps as possible behind the dish and he keeps working on it. I think that and having hedges there in spring training was a real godsend for him and Andy. The, the thing that I will say too is, is I'm the reason I'm not as up in arms about Davis being in double a 
in any interim way is because I feel like it's really going to sort itself out very soon. Now, if we're still having this conversation and it's August, well, yes, then obviously I have a much different take on it. I just feel like very soon we're going to see this work itself out. Well, let me call up a couple comments here because this is very typical whenever you start broaching this subject. All right. So I'm going to read them both. Pittsburgh sports all the time says, I just find this ironic last year. We, we, I think he means weren't talking about calling up prospects too early, such as Jack and Ortiz. Maybe he means were, but I'm going to assume he means weren't because it wouldn't be ironic otherwise. And Dave White, do y'all think players like Jack were hurt by basically skipping AAA? All right. I mean, I'll take the first crack. No, I don't think he was hurt by skipping AAA. I don't think Henry Davis as a hitter would be hurt by trip by skipping AAA. I really don't. Um, I think it's, it's a defensive position difference. I also remember very clearly criticizing that Jack was not sent down a heck of a lot earlier than he was last year because he was not hitting and he was clearly buried by the avalanche of major league baseball. So I would have loved to have seen him sent down a little bit earlier than they chose to. And maybe they could have salvaged him and let him finish the season a lot stronger than he did. As far as Ortiz, he didn't even come up until what September because of injury when they added him to the 40 man, cause they were going to have to in December anyway, again, back to the 40 man, pay attention to it. That's why Quinn, Quinn Priester will get his cup of coffee this year in September. That's why Nick Gonzalez will get his cup of coffee this year in September because he has to be added to the list. I mean, it, this stuff makes a lot of sense. If you let it, it really does. And, and the thing is like, can, can, can you not just look at Luis Ortiz and see sometimes that I don't know how many times people have to be hit over the head with this. It's not a straight upward trajectory for nearly all guys. Yeah. Right. I mean, like, I I mean, like it, it just isn't Luis Ortiz last year in September. We've talked about it so much, Gary. I've never been more impressed with the guy. Like as a pirate fan, watching what he was doing, but now we're seeing that it's there's a there's sometimes a step forward and then two steps back and i mean luis ortiz hasn't been terrible but we're seeing that there's still stuff that needs to happen there yeah and so i just trying to throw things he's not thrown before he's not comfortable with them yeah so again and again can he learn that at the major league level Sure, but to just act like it's just not a factor, I, I just, you know, uh, quite frankly, I get tired of talking about it. I think I do too, Michael, and you you, you get pounded with this all the time too. You have to talk about it. You have to think about it because they become the biggest subject. And if you're trying to appeal to anybody when you're making a show, you have to at least talk about some of this stuff. Yep. So I hear you on your show every once in a while address it, and you're, you're pretty even keel about it. But as a fan... You, you wanted to see Luis Ortiz, and even though he failed in those two outings, did you not learn something? And were you not excited by the outings anyway? And are you encouraged that he's got things to learn as he goes back now to AAA? Yeah, I think that in the, at least in spring training, the expectation for me was that Velasquez is eventually going to fail and Ortiz is going to have to come up and continue blowing guys away that last start of the season last year where he gave up like six runs and 0.2 innings was an aberration. He's not going to be like that every time. Right. He's going to have growing pains. Any young pitcher is going to have outings where they're going to struggle and he's going to need more than one or two pitches to work in order to be successful long-term in the major leagues. We're seeing that issue with Johan Oviedo. He had a devastating slider. It was just crushing it the first month. He hasn't had it the past two or three starts. And he can't get his other pitches to work for him. Or even if he does have it, he can't place it. Yeah. Yeah. And walks have been an issue with him. And that's the same with Ortiz. Um, But you you just need to be able to pivot 
if necessary. If your fastball is getting hit, Ortiz is working on a changeup this offseason. That's still really raw. His slider, I feel like he sometimes doesn't have the right handle on it. He, he's just going to have these growing pains. He's going to go back to AAA. He was handling AAA hitters. He doesn't have a whole lot left to learn there. He's pretty much at some point going to have to be in the rotation and get knocked around a bit and try to figure it out. And sure. hopefully it doesn't take as long as it did with Keller. But if he becomes that kind of pitcher, then that'd be great. I think we, with when it comes to developing pitchers, and you guys can correct me on this one if I'm wrong, but I think Rowanzi Contreras spoiled the living hell out of this fan base because he really came up here with very few burps. Really. I mean, not a whole lot of bugaboos. He had a couple games where he got touched up a little bit, but nothing like that embarrassed him off the mound. Nothing that made you think that he should get sent back down. Nothing that that, that shook your confidence that he was going to be a good, solid member of this rotation, right? That does not happen for these kids. Look at how long it took Keller to become Keller. I it's, mean, like... It's a miracle Keller survived at all. To be quite honest, only because we were so bad for so long. Yeah, and they 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 had no choice but to keep trying it with him. I mean, you know, there's other organizations just by virtue of them being the demands of being competitive probably move on. But um, it's so fortunate that Keller came back from almost the abyss. I don't want to get too dramatic about it, but man, it was, it was dicey. Um, I do think Gary, I was already, I, that's why I hate us doing this show sometimes because I do think we think too similarly. Cause I was thinking about Rowanzi and how he, he, he pitches a little more like a veteran than most young guys do when he doesn't have his great stuff. He finds a way to at least be serviceable. Yeah. And that's just not the case with most young guys. You know, they are going to, like Michael said, when, when you don't have, when you have a pitch and you heavily depend on it and you go out there and you don't have it, that's usually going to get ugly for younger guys. It gets ugly for veterans sometimes. So, right. Yeah, it's just the process of 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 getting through that. I wouldn't, like I said, look, we're not sitting here debating that Henry Davis can't hit, hit major league pitching. I think we all think he can at this point. We're not debating on Luis Ortiz pretty much accomplishing whatever he needs to do against tripway hitters as far as talent level goes. But there's always the fine tuning in baseball that is so case specific. Like I always say too, it's it's one thing to to make the argument. Well, they're better than uh, Josh Palacios. Please, please. Well, they're better my, than uh, my Miguel Andujar. My head's going to explode. Well, I you could just cut uh, Dwayne Underwood Jr. and and bring up so and so. The reason that those arguments suck is because. When you want to bring up Andy Rodriguez, you don't want him taking whatever the hell Josh Palacios was doing. You want him taking what other bona fide players are doing. So you need to have a real plan for what he's going to do. Is he going to catch? Okay. How many days a week is he going to catch? Two, three. What's he going to do in those other days? Is he going to DH? Okay. That takes some at-bats from Kutch. Are you okay with that? Maybe you are. Maybe you aren't. Should he play first base? Well, Carlos Santana looks tired. Maybe that'd be a good idea. But then you got to take Carlos's bat out of the lineup. Do you want to do that? I don't know. Maybe you want to DH Carlos and sit Kutch anyway. Like, everything you do has ramifications. You don't bring up certain level guys and not play them. You have to play them. That's this the is point. This isn't the Steelers and you have a uh, left tackle that's struggling and you go look at the bench and say, you know what? It can't be any worse. This guy's on the roster. Let's put him in there and see if anything else happens. <laughs> it's not. It's, Bad example. It's, Ken, Kendrick Green is on the roster still. So, Well, yeah, but you know, you know what I'm saying, though. It's like. I do know what you're saying. Yeah. You, you can't you can't treat it like another sport it just doesn't work that way if you are if if part of your argument about why someone should be somewhere 
is because the guy at the major league level sucks, you are missing a big component of it. Yeah. And I'm not going to say like that that should be the case for everybody. No, it's not. No, but like, let's take a guy like Cal Mitchell. I think, I think I've personally probably seen enough, at least as far as like him in the field. But I, I, he can't deny that when he's in AAA, he hits. I mean, he starts hitting every year. He gets pretty consistent. He does a good job. They bring him up here. He barely plays. He doesn't hit. You know, so he's either a career minor leaguer, quad A type guy, or somebody that we trade, or God forbid, a guy that sits on your bench and is better than Josh Palacios and or Miguel Andujar, and you just live with the fact that he's a bench guy. Those are the types of guys you can do that with, by the way. Or yeah. try with. Or, but if you call up a Travis Swaggerty if and when he ever decides to play baseball again, you, you have a guy that has to play. You know what I mean? Like, at least at first, you have to have a place for certain level guys to play. That's there all. are some guys you care about and some guys you don't care as much about. Once you okay, get to a fine. Point. So Travis doesn't have to have a place to play. But still, <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, it's just, it's a mess, man. And I, we should just take a quick break here and we'll come back. We'll talk a little bit more about this. And I think we should probably touch on uh, a few other Pirates issues that have been bubbling at the surface, too. So we're going to sit here silently for a second on video. And on audio, you'll actually hear an ad. And we are back to the Pirates Fan Forum here on DK Pittsburgh Sports Podcast Network. I am your host, Gary Morgan. Jim Stam is with me. Michael from the 412 Double Play Podcast is with us as well. Um, go ahead and hit that like button, subscribe to the channel, follow us. And uh, next week, Jim and I aren't exactly sure what we're doing because I'm doing the <laughs> Miracle League on Thursday. Um, so I'm not going to be around at five o'clock on Thursday. So at the very least, I can tell you next week is going to be special. I don't know why, but it's going to be special. We could either be doing this late night bucking on Thursday night at like 10 o'clock, or we could end up doing this thing on a Friday. We don't we'll know what it we're out. doing yet. Yeah. We'll let you, we'll let you know when we figure it out. We will get it sorted though. Um, so, guys, I think the next thing I th- that we need to talk about is probably panic in the chat rooms. You know, I'm seeing it all over Facebook and Twitter. It, it, the, the people that, that jumped on in the first month are already ready to jump off the Clemente Bridge now because, <laughs> because of what we've seen quickly. Um, how are you guys interacting with people online right now about about the team? I I I kind of tend to just ignore them because I feel like they're, they're having a hard time and I'll just let them sort it out on their own. But this is a baseball season. This is what happens. The Pirates just had an extreme hot and cold event and nobody figured out how to make it warm yet. You know, they're, they're still trying to get the shower right. What do you think, Michael? Any, ha- any interactions that you're just like mind blown? Uh I mean, everyone's saying that now we're going to lose a hundred games and finish <laughs> in the bottom of the division. I'm like, that would be pretty incredible turnaround from 29th start to the season. Yeah. We're the, the team's not doing well. It's mostly led by the offense and it's mostly because of this may slump that we're in where the team is batting under the Mendoza line. We're last in the national league, 564 OPS combined as a team. That's awful. The next highest is the Padres. They're hitting 671. So by far, we're not scoring enough runs. The Detroit game was the first time that we'd scored over four runs since the second game of the Nationals doubleheader. Um, Sounds like those Padres just need to spend some money. Yeah, they really do. Poverty team. (laughs) So uh, I 
I think that we are seeing a lot of fatigue. You mentioned before about Santana looking tired. Kutch has been tired. This is kind of the in the pre the spring training when people were saying, "Oh, we can cut Choi because we don't need him." Uh-huh. If Choi were here, he'd be spelling Santana and spelling Kutch and, and giving them some time off, and they'd probably be doing a little bit better from day to day. Well, not for long because I just gave those roles to Andy. But okay, yeah. Well, well when Andy comes up, then yeah, he'll be taking here- those spots. You mentioned fatigue, Michael. Here's what here's what I'm fatigued about is that, you know, guys, when you go to a party and you don't know anybody, okay, and do, do, do you walk in the door, be loud, go stick your finger in the dip, and then go blow up the bathroom and leave the door open after you did it? No, you, you, you don't. So what I would suggest for people that are just now starting to pay attention to the pirates again, ease on into these conversations, okay? (laughs) Just, you know, feel your way around a little bit. You know, don't talk to everybody like they're an idiot. just, Just, you know, check the temperature of the room. Have opinions. Have strong ones. But be prepared to debate them. And it's all about how you go about things. So that would be my suggestion for anybody. I that's like what, it. That's, you know, kind of where I am. Don't, don't, don't go blowing up the bathroom right away, please. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I mean, from my perspective, I think the hardest thing is probably just when something's pretty well established, like uh, Mitch Keller struggled and struggled and struggled. Right. And then finally caught on last year. And like, now he really looks like he's fully arrived. Some, some people do not know that journey. Okay. And so they, they immediately come at me with like, I can't believe how cheap they are that they, (laughs) that they haven't extended him already. And I'm thinking it was like just Tuesday that he made himself somebody that you have to extend. Like you understand, like it's not as though like three years ago this was writing on the wall, and they should just be like, "Oh hell yeah," you know what I mean? <laughs> like, yeah. It, I, I think it's things like the the context that's just lost from from years and years of of that. And like my friend uh, Joe here, childhood friend of mine, actually, uh, he agrees with you, Jim. I like Joe already. I yeah. like him already. But I agree with him too. I, I talked to Joe a lot when we were kids, we were growing up right in the early nineties when the pirates were really good and nobody expected them to continue being good after Barry Bonds left. But I remember talking to him and, and we were both so sold on Tim Wakefield that he was going to carry us to another championship, even without bonds. And obviously it didn't happen, but it's just amazing how, like, what, 40 years later, I'm still talking about the same shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and go and go back to what you were just in the example of Keller is like, there are there are valid criticisms sometimes with that stuff. But just make sure you pick the right guy to do it. like the Reynolds thing. Yeah, that probably could have been approached earlier. Yep. They might have even been able to save themselves a little money, although they still did because Brian Reynolds wanted to stay. But like, you know, we have that concern about O'Neill Cruz right now. So, like, you, you know, you, you can you, you can use these examples uh, because they are certainly valid if you pick the right situations to do it in. Well, it's from both sides too. It's like, you know, I try, I try really hard to, to kind of just fairly evaluate them as best I can. Um, but I, I get really frustrated with, uh, the, the side of the argument that always has to be like, Oh, well they, they're still in first place or, Oh, you didn't expect them to be there right now where they are. Well, no, I didn't, but they are. So I'm, I'm going to talk about them as though they have done what they've done. You know, just because I didn't predict it doesn't mean I can't speak to it. I mean, there's so much of this that is all caught up in people not wanting to be wrong. When you talk sports, the first thing you should do is just admit I am wrong. I'm going to be wrong. 
It's okay to be wrong. Who gives a crap? If they call up Andy, Andy Rodriguez next week and he goes on a 350 tear for the rest of the season and wins rookie of the year, you will not find me angry he got called up. <laughs> okay? Like, if I'm or, wrong... Or even, even worse, trying to diminish it somehow. Like, like great. Great. Yeah. It's like, for instance, uh, you know, Kenny Pickett finished the season well last year for the Steelers, right? So they just re-upped Mitch Trubinsky for an, uh, an extra couple of years. It's really a cap move, you know, to, to lessen his cap hit this year. You baseball fans will learn about that soon, I hope. But oh, like for, for the NFL, there's there's a cap, and they, they they extend Mitch Trubinsky out. First comment I see is Steelers have finally realized Pickett's not good enough, so they're going to keep Mitch around. For a oh my god! Come on now, dude! Like. It, it's not just Pirates fans. It's just Twitter and Facebook. And it's just the way it is, man. I have yet to have a poor conversation at a ballpark. Still, undefeated. Haven't talked to anybody that was completely clueless about the game. I'm, I'm sitting here trying to think of if I have. I, I don't know that I have course i tend to sc- i pre-screen idiots before i talk to them so maybe that has how, something how do you do that, that on the ballpark app <laughs> uh you, you scan error. their face and then check their social media uh tr- trial and error over 47 years i suppose but uh or you yeah. come up to them and you're like hey if you go to a party do you kick the door open stick your <laughs> finger in the dip and but meanwhile, the bathroom? meanwhile i said finger in the dip because i you know i i, I don't i don't want to offend anybody i really wanted to get worse than that but i didn't because okay. i'm because i'm classy Gary well, yeah. knows this. I'm Jim a classy just, guy. Speaking of class, Jim, just make sure you don't, if you don't have a mango in your hand, you are not his class of people. That's all. <laughs> well, That's I true. mean, we have to maintain some level of yeah, intellectual classy standards. You'll be happy to know not that, an animal, uh, Gary. that my buddy Craig Toth at the game, his go-to was mango as well. I couldn't See? believe it. I <laughs> have a type. Apparently, when I pick friends, I have a type. Yeah. And they like mango. I do yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's 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 an acquired taste, but I but I'm not apologizing for it. Yeah, I mean, hey, my wife doesn't like it either, and if she doesn't like it, then it must really be bad because she now, it, now the Turner's tea stuff, man. I I, I tried it. I that was foul. Get, I can't yeah, I get like down with it. Yeah. So that said, you know. I could have been thrown off because I had it when I had their altered state nacho cheese that these sacrilegious SOBs over at PNC Park went and installed ghetto nacho cheese machines. Sheets has higher quality cheese (laughs) sauce than they do now for their nachos. I can't deal. I can't deal. It was my go-to snack when I go to the stadium. Not that I need it, Jim, but now I can't. Take it up with Travis Williams. That's right. I'll take it up with Travis Williams. I will. I will. <laughs> so now so, you've got so the cheese is different now? Yeah, it's a different cheese. Yeah. You've been, that's right. You've been you've been all steadfast by your diet here all, I all have the season. Been. So you haven't even I, looked probably. No, I never I, get nachos I, there, so see nachos are a, a thing for me at games. Like I really love nachos and cheese at games. And of course some jalapenos. Um but uh, yeah, I didn't know they changed it. That's disappointing. Oh yeah, it's just like Tostitos, like right out of the can. It's awful. Yeah. It, it disappointed me. Well, greatly. I'm not sticking my finger in that. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> that is for sure. So I mean, the Pirates. I think all in all, first quarter of the season, guys, twenty three and twenty. Yeah. I, I if it, they had gotten here normally, like just by winning series here and there, and you know, dropping three or four every once in a while. And I I think we'd probably be, have a lot brighter outlook right now than, than the way it actually went down. I, so, I, yeah, I think that that's for everybody, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's difficult to look at it and, and not think that, not think that it's awful. Well, I will say, uh, 
It is. It's one of those situations where I don't think I could have dreamt up a scenario where we sit in mid to late May and the Pirates be three games over 500 this year and people be disappointed with it, if not even angry about it. But this is the scenario. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, like, I don't think I could have I don't think I could have conjured that one up on my own, but th- it it's weird and it's almost a shame too, because we can't eat, we haven't even been able to enjoy it. Like we want to enjoy it, but the way that it happened. And then these last couple weeks has really made it tough to even like appreciate it for even being a pleasant surprise. I mean, Michael jump in a time machine. You, you, you have the sports book from back to the future. It tells mm-hmm. you what's going to happen. You know exactly when O'Neill Cruz is going to go down for four months. Are they here? Yeah, there's no way. Right. We did. Here's the thing. We entered the season with no backup at shortstop. People were up in arms because we got rid of Kevin Newman and they were like, oh, we traded him for some lousy relief pitcher Not who me. can't make it in Cincinnati. <laughs> Yes, and Jim now everyone's included in those masses. <laughs> <laughs> and no, I was in the group that was like, you know what? This it's a bit of a risk because we don't have a guy. I thought Triolo maybe would be our backup shortstop because he's strong defensive guy, plays third, plays some short, got injured really early on. Um, I don't think because he got injured. Let's see the April. Uh, yeah, April 9th. We went into the Astros series after that. We had St. Louis. That was part of the like 20 games in 20 days or, or 22, whatever it was, stretch. Yep. Um, April was a slog because of how many games we played without any days off. May was a different kind of animal because Tampa, Toronto, and Baltimore, nine of the first 12 games against teams that could win 90 plus easily this year. Right. I think it's going to level out a little bit more. Detroit, yeah, we didn't show up in game one, but the team kind of came together and, and, you know, the offense showed up in game two. Arizona is going to be difficult, but it's not unwinnable. And I feel that the same way with any series that we're going to face from here on out. Yeah, I think what I've learned from the first quarter here, Jim, uh, another big takeaway, I'd put Keller against anybody. There's no pitcher... That, that you could put on a probable list that I would go, okay, he's going to get out class tonight. I think he's in that conversation now. I, I think so too. Um, he's been, now let's call it what it is. He's been one of the best pitchers in baseball. Absolutely. Uh, starting pitchers. Uh, uh, there's just no way around that. And He's in the early Cy Young conversation for sure. Yeah. So, and I think what I want to keep an eye on, speaking of the pitching, is I really do think like the Pirates will probably go. You want to look and see how the fortunes of this season might change one way or the other. To me, I look at Oviedo and I look at Velasquez. And I think like that really is going to be like a big indicator of whether they can kind of right this ship and steady it a little bit or maybe even even return to a little bit more of the winning, or if things keep going the other way. To me, those are the two guys that I look at and say, you keep an eye on them, you'll start, you, you, you'll, you'll see how things are going to go. That's, that's how I see it. Yeah, I think that's a good way to look at it. I mean, there's no way to dispute it. I mean, we, we're here now. Um, they've got a winning record this late into the season. I, I actually think it's good to have already weathered some of the storm that others in our division are just going to have to go face. You know, um, it's it, they're in a great spot right now. I think that's why, you know, we see some people starting to panic, just not wanting to squander it. We talked last week about, like, we've gotten so many signs from above almost, like, that don't mess this up. You know, I'm going to keep giving you these these opportunities. I'm going to keep letting you live by losing, even though you don't deserve it. You know, like, I'm going to let you get away with only getting four hits and still winning. You know, like, just things that have been being handed to this team. I think that's why you're seeing so many people panic. I just caution everybody. 
don't look at prospects like they're the savior. Because if your team is so bad that you're thinking about it to the degree you are, and you really think that a kid can come up and turn around the fortunes of your entire team, I just think, first of all, that's a lot of pressure to put on that kid. I pray they don't put it on themselves. Second, it's one player. This isn't the NBA. You can't just go get a new point guard and change your whole team. Like you, you have to have a lot of things go right to, to win. So I would say everything aside, prospects coming up, all that noise, nothing can affect the fortunes of this team more than the players that are on this team right now. They have to hit. Reynolds has to hit. Hayes has to hit. And they need to stop playing games with Castro. Figure out what you're going to do and play him. And you, you talk about this is, a lot, this is what I'll end it on is we talk about prospects and whatever. If you're even remotely familiar with Mitch Keller's journey, nine years till he gets to the point where we can have the conversation we just had about Mitch Keller yeah. being one of the best pitchers in base nine, a decade almost folks, baseball's different and it's hard. And if you don't want to recognize the differences between that and other sports, uh, Hey, it's a free country. Go ahead. But you're ignoring a huge aspect of baseball that is just so entirely different. Than yeah, so enjoy it now. Sports. Enjoy it now before AI comes along and makes these decisions super quick and destroys it for us all. <laughs> so, Michael, closing shots from you, and then go ahead and promote. Uh, I'm really excited about how this rotation's been playing out. I actually have more concerns about uh, Rowanzi than any of the other guys. His uh, strikeout rates have been down a lot this season. I'm hoping to see those tick back up because he's got a, a ton of talent and great fastball slider combination. But just excited to see what happens this season. Um, don't <laughs> don't look back at the past like couple weeks when we went through this gauntlet and say this is how the whole season is going to go. It's like you said, it's a long season. We're going to play talented teams. We're going to play less talented teams. And we're going to show up the same versus both of them. Uh, as far as promoting stuff, hoping to get more articles out. Uh, I'm working on one on Mr. Key Brian Hayes right now because uh, my co-host on my podcast texted me after he went over five in the Tigers game. I was like, they got to bump him down in the uh, in the lineup. And I'm like, he had three hits, like hit balls with exit velocity over 90 miles an hour. He's just not getting the barrel there. It's it's he, it was a line out, a fly out, and a ground out. And if you so, haven't done it, make sure you check out uh, Bridge to Bucktober. I want to say it was a, a week yeah. or so ago. He talked yeah, about Brian Hayes. Pretty yeah, in-depth. It was really cool. So you Josh got was something, you got something coming out on, on that too, Michael? Because I do. I want to read that because he is um, – it, it, it should look different, but it just seems to be the same story all the time. So I'd be interested to see that. He's got, if you look at some, the only thing that's bad is his barrel percentage, but so many of his analytical numbers are and have been really good. And he's ticked his launch angle up, but it's just not, there's some tweaks. So I'm going to kind of dive into that on the article, hoping to drop that tomorrow on Inside the Bucks Basement. Uh, podcast drop Monday mornings, weekly, me and my uh, buddy Ed Wassel. We'll be talking through what's been going on with the Pirates. We touch on the farm system, anything going on with uh, really baseball in general, highlights of Pittsburgh. And I think I think Michael just tried to sneak in a, besides that, Mrs. Lincoln, how did you enjoy the play when he said, aside from the barrel, uh, with uh, <laughs> So, you know, I just wanted to make sure I heard that correctly, but okay. All right. I'm, I, I'll yep. be, I'll be, I'll be looking for that. I, want I to think I know where he's going. going with it because I can cheat and read the drafts, but uh, <laughs> I just wanted to, I just wanted to point that out. You said just aside from the barrel. Well, aside okay. from the barrel. 
like I said, the article should be up uh, tomorrow, May 19th. All right. You'll be able to read all about it. I think you'll be kind of surprised by some of these numbers in all sincerity. So, hey, without further ado, let's go ahead and let Ben take it away. And uh, it's kind of nice when the Bucks don't play because we just get to talk and not worry about what's going to happen in an hour making us wrong. Good good stuff today, guys. It was fun. Yeah. So, hey, from us, Pirates Fan Forum, let's go Bucks. Let's go Bucks!